So, are you DTFX? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. A good evening, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Coming at you 30 minutes early if you're joining us live. Uh, hopefully you all see the notifications because you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll know that we are live now. If not, go do that. That way when we happen to record early or on a different day, you'll be ready for it. So, Jake, how are you doing this fine Tuesday evening? Uh, a little bit better now that you pronounce it like fine. I don't know. That, that gave me the spark, I think, that I needed. Uh, I, I like... Um, that we're keeping things a little bit more positive with this show. This week's show, we get to do a little bit of back padding, not too much. We don't want to injure ourselves. Well, never. But never. <laughs> we, after last week's rightful shellacking of our own previous takes, we now get to celebrate some of the things that we did well. Yes, we do. Um, you more so than me from the looks of the show sheet, but that's quite okay because I had more than enough to talk about last week. Uh, so it makes sense. It's it's a little yin, a little yang there. Um, before we get into patting ourselves on the back and doing some victory laps here, what a weekend of football did we have here with that uh, wild, super wild card weekend. Yeah. Man, you literally had to watch every single game all the way through because there were some amazing comebacks and just amazing games, period. Like, uh, this just gets me jazzed up for the rest of the playoffs here. If this is how the first weekend went, like, it's going to be fucking amazing all the way through. It's a high bar, man. It's a very high bar for it to clear now, because there was only one game that was just like an outright shellacking, which had its own certain level of joy. If you're very mm -hmm. much into schadenfreude and you like seeing Tom Brady... <laughs> kind of potentially end his career on a super down note, then the Dallas-Tampa Bay game was for you. But everything else was, you know, super interesting and for the most part, very close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm looking forward to the rest of the playoffs here uh, just because this last weekend was so enjoyable. Um, let's get into what we're drinking here, Jake. You provided the beer this evening for us. So why don't you tell us a little about it? Well, it's wintertime. As everyone may or may not know, it is the wintertime, and I like a good thick stout for the wintertime. And I like things like this, which is uh, from Fox River Brewing Company. It's an Oshkosh slash Appleton uh, fixture, and it's called Vixen's Vanilla. It has hearts and stuff on it. I'm guessing this is supposed to be like a Cupid's Day theme, a little Valentine's Day action. But you know what? I thought we could use it. For our victory laps, it's supposed to be a vanilla cinnamon stout. I've had a little sip. It's a little different, Dustin. Would you say this is a little different of a stout? Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. I'm going to go while you're taking another sip. I'm going to say it's actually a little thin for a stout. I don't get like the, the meaty clackers on a stout that you're used to. I, I would agree 100%. I mean, it literally says on the bottle, a full-bodied dessert stout. Um, 
really, I get a shit ton of cinnamon. And, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's really overpowering everything else. I can get a little bit of chocolate, like once you get past that cinnamon, but I mean, squint. all it, it is literally just cinnamon right on the front of the tongue. And that's like yeah. all I'm tasting. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not wrong. I do love cinnamon. And even for me, this is really pushing it because the aftertaste is 1000% cinnamon. I'm going to wake up in the morning still tasting cinnamon. I know. It. I think so, too. I mean, it's just I mean, I don't get I don't really get any of the vanilla. Maybe just a yeah, no. uh, just a just a, a whiff of it, like just a, the slightest hint. Yeah, I, I I can't. I've I've smelled it. I put my nostrils right in there. I I got no vanilla out of that thing. Definitely no chocolate. It says chocolate, kind of more in the finer print of this. As a like I said, I get snack. I get I get I get just just a a, a slight touch of chocolate, just a a, a whisper of, of vanilla. Yeah. But it it is all cinnamon all day long. It is. You know what this beer is, Dustin? It's the fireball of beers. That's what we're really drinking. Um. I guess, but I feel like you're doing Fireball a disservice, oh, if that's no. possible. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so not a sponsor, uh, Fox River <laughs> Brewing. Maybe, maybe we'll have to try a different one. Maybe not the cinnamon bomb that this yeah. is. We'll, we'll try something else. It's all right. So it's something. We have something in our glass, something in our mugs for tonight, and that's all we can hope for. Absolutely. And I like that we supported something near to my hometown in the Fox River Valley. So I do appreciate that too. We did it. Now, That's okay. do you I've got talk a little bit of my, else? I've got a little bit of my barley wine left that I can uh, interchange here. Uh, this barley care. wine, just a, just a, just to talk up my own home brewing a little bit. This barley wine is now three years old. I brewed it in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, uh, and it is aged wonderfully. It's like at nine percent, so it's not like a super high barley wine, but it's nice and caramely, and it's got. I feel like it's aged beautifully. What's it up to at this point after three years? Twenty four percent, twenty eight percent alcohol. That, what are we doing? <laughs> that that's not how uh, alcohol percentages work. No. Oh, okay. No, no. Once it's there, that's that's where it is. It doesn't get more boozy. Maybe less boozy over time, but not more. Okay. Well, there goes that idea. You really, you really put the pin in my balloon. With that yeah. Going. Yeah. Why don't happens. you continue to put the pin in my balloon? We'll talk about last week's beer bet. <laughs> it's one of my victory laps for this the show. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Get it up top. That's right. So our beer bet, as a reminder to everyone, you picked it this last week, Jake. And it was the wide receiver one versus the wide receiver one on each team in the Buffalo versus Miami. I ended up taking Buffalo. And I just want to say I had two wide receivers that finished better than your your number one wide receiver on Miami. So it ended up being Gabe Davis with 23.3 points and Tyreek had just a paltry 16.4. Abysmal. Abysmal. Uh, can we can we at least say that this bet maybe kind of put to bed the idea that Tyreek Hill is quarterback proof? I think we found that's only true to some extent. I mean, obviously, that was still a fine line. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. That it was bad, obviously, but it was not the 25 points that you would have expected, perhaps. Exactly. So, Jake, I believe you have something you need to say, probably yeah. want to say. No, just need uh, and required to say because you had two that finished above me. I gave myself just a little bit extra uh, as a shot. Call it a one and a half shot, uh, but it's just amaretto. So, you know, it, it's not like I'm really 
slushing anything too horrid down this gullet of mine. But, Dustin, you are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash cheese. Cheers. Thank you. And you're going to thank me later for winning that bet when you have your uh, work meeting. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You know what? This was a little gift to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, before we get into our drunk trade, let's revisit our little DFS segment we had from last week. Um, so we did a monkey knife fight, if you do recall. Um, and I'm not going to bring it up on the screen. I'll just go through uh, what our picks were. So we did uh, try to do an eight for eight. Uh, on all the uh, Saturday games here. So we were six of eight, so not too shabby. Obviously not winning money, but six out of eight, that's respectable, I would say. It is. It is, by golly. So we hit on the following. George Kittle, less than 47 and a half. He only had 37. Evan Ingram, more than 47 and a half. He had 93. Brandon Ayuk, more than 49 and a half. Had 73. Zay Jones, more than 50 and a half. Had 74. Christian Kirk, more than 58 and a half, had 78. DK Metcalf, 64 and a half, more, had 136. And then this is where we faltered. We had Austin Eckler with more than 49 and a half rushing yards, only had 35. And then Kenneth Walker, less than 59 and a half rush yards, had 63. Kenny, how could you do this to us? So, I mean, we were... I mean, that's why they set the lines where they are, because it was awful close. Um, And we know that's why they set the lines that way. But, like I said, six out of eight, not too shabby. I think our process was good overall, obviously. Uh, We can just only hope to do better this next week. Yeah, we'll continue. We'll tweak some things, right? We'll we'll Mm -hmm. give it... uh, We won't throw the the baby out with the bathwater. Something people still say. Are people allowed to still say that, Dustin? It seems I don't think so. It it does. Let's well, stop. Before we, yeah, say before we get even more problematic, let's get into our drunk trade of the week. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. This one comes to us from our beloved Toronto Dave on Twitter. Hi, Dave. Hi, Hello, Dave. And welcome into the show. Uh, this was. A trade, Dustin, as you might have noted, you were tagged in this one as well on Twitter, that was inspired by Tanqueray Gin. So this is the Tanqueray Gin trade of the week, and here's what it is. It's 12-team, Superflex, PPR League, and Dave here got himself a 2024 first-round pick. People like those. People like the first-round picks. It seems like the further we get out, the more people like them. And he gave up Jared Goff, Khalil Shakir, and a 2023 302 pick, early third. My interests lie in Jared Goff for this one, Dustin. So I'm curious what you see for his individual value and how far off that might be from what Dave got. What do you think about Goff and Dynasty these days? I actually really like Goff for Dynasty, at least for the next couple seasons, uh, with just how well he did in that offense. I don't see a reason why Detroit would move on from him, uh, to be totally honest. You can see they put up a shit ton of points this year. Uh, They're just a very young, inexperienced team that, let's be honest, it's been a losing culture there for 20 years, basically, or more. Like, I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs in forever. So the fact that they were able to turn it around, do as well as they did, they've still got lots of holes to fill. Uh, And we've seen and we saw this when he was with L.A. also is that when he has time and they have a good offensive line in front of him, he can make the plays that you need to play or need to make. So 
Um, yeah, I don't see Goff leaving for the next couple seasons at least. Um, I feel like the Lions, you know, they're probably going to make a couple more moves, shore up that defense a little bit more, um, maybe add a piece on offense, you know, maybe like another tight end or something since they traded away Hawk. But I feel like he's proven enough to them where he's going to be around. I think that's interesting. I think you're very optimistic um, or more optimistic than I am. I am in on Jared Goff for next year. If the other person in this trade is in the win now position of like, I just need a second quarterback. I think that that's fantastic because I do think that Jared Goff will be great. And for fantasy purposes, he'll be a consistent fringe quarterback one I mean we saw him have some great games we saw there was a couple of uh of top five top six finishes this year plenty of uh either top 12 or fringe top 12 finishes as well so in Superflex, I do really like him where did Jared Goff finish this year I, I don't know I don't know you you tell me do you know or did you just he finished ask me 10th a... overall yeah 10th yeah, uh, no, and I, I, I think that's, up. that's why I was I asking. Com- he finished 10th <laughs> overall. This you year. and your QB goddamn 10, rhetorical question. Eight points per game. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic, but you have to acknowledge that there is plenty of quarterbacks who were injured and not playing the entire time as well. So there's Tua, there's Lamar Jackson, there's Kyler Murray, uh, there's even Russell Wilson who had a couple of games out. Not that he was great, but he might have come close to Jared Goff there in that respect. So there were injuries to consider, mm-hmm. obviously. But I think he's I think he's a great that's why I said fringe QB one. Like I think if you pump those other guys up uh, the list, move him down just a little bit, that's where we should expect Jared Goff to be. But I think this trade is fine. I think it's completely fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, I would agree. I mean And how do you feel about this trade here, Jake? I feel like I feel like Dave for getting a first round pick, if you're not in a win now mode. Giving up Goff, essentially, for a first-round pick is well worth it to me. I would do that in a heartbeat. That's how I feel about this one. Mm-hmm. So you have no thoughts about uh, Shakir? I don't. I mean, I don't. the third is whatever. And I, I get it's a super flex. So, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like this was a good trade uh, overall. I don't think it's an overpay uh, whatsoever. And just to get a first for Goff, um, I know it's super flex, so you could probably, probably could have eked out a little bit more. But, I mean, I don't hate it. At least you're getting off on a guy when he's high, you know, as opposed to, you know, two years ago, Jared Goff, you couldn't have gotten a ham sandwich for. Yeah. Getting off on a guy while he's high? What is this? Train spotting? Justin? It might be. Jeez. Jeepers. See where the evening Keep goes. PG. Keep PG for the, the fam here. No, I think this is a completely fine one, though. We've certainly seen much worse. I, I don't think, I think he was maybe expecting because of all the tanqueray of it all that that we're going to have more negative things to say I mean, about this. I think but. he could have gotten a little bit more out of it honestly because it is a quarterback in a super flex league. So yeah. I mean traditionally those, you know, you can get a pretty good ransom for those, especially when you're not getting one in return. But I mean, I don't hate it though either. Yeah, I think it was I think it was okay. I we're a little bit split on it, but it's not split so much that we both feel like on polar opposite sides of this thing. Correct the mundo. So that's good. That's nice. All right, well, let's get into the main event here, the meat of the episode, so to speak, and talking a little victory laps. So these are guys that we kind of planted our flags on. We had strong opinions on and we won. We did good. We we said the things we said. It worked out how we hoped. And we're we're reaching around our to our backs and, and giving ourselves a pat like this. Talking so about that. getting off on guys. Now there's reach around talk. Dustin, no, I, I was very we, specific. We're working on this. Very specific. Okay. Just like this. Just like this. Okay. All right. Come on. Get your mind out of the gutter. 
All right, Jake, why don't you start us off this evening? Because as we said at the top of the show, uh, you have a lot more to be excited and victorious about while I do not. I guess, but I will acknowledge that some of these are going to be a little bit more tepid victory laps. Some of these are going to be like half, three-quarter victory laps, but I do want to shoehorn them in here because it's fun for me that way. So I will start off by talking about DeAndre Swift, who is uh, still, I think, a divisive player. And it was certainly a divisive player for the two of us coming in here. So we came mm-hmm. into this offseason on polar opposite sides of DeAndre Swift. And this is where I get the, I already did the shot at the top of the episode. So now I get to reclaim some things here by acknowledging two things, actually. One, DeAndre Swift, we can call him a bust because his ADP was RB8. And he did not finish close to RB8 in points per game or overall. However, I have to acknowledge before his injury, in the season, he looked a lot better. And he was definitely a different player coming back off of the injury. I don't victory lap injuries unless we're, you know, doctors out here trying to forecast what the injuries will be. I think that's silly. That's nonsense. But in the grand scheme of things, Jamal Williams did what I thought Jamal Williams would do. So Jamal Williams was the goal back, obviously with 17 touchdowns. That was his role. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift wasn't getting any of that. I think he had like two touchdowns, something like that. Something crazy, though. He was utilized in the passing game a little bit more than I thought he would be with all of the competition that was there now. I said last year, you know, his only competition for targets, Amon Ross St. Brown, which was like halfway through the season where he finally got good. This year, he had more guys that were going to be competing, although Hawkinson gets traded midseason and kind of throws a little bit of wrench into that idea as well. Uh, that said, he didn't really benefit that much from Hawkinson being gone. Not as much as I thought he would. I thought there would be uh, a tail, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a bell curve, essentially. Like, started off good. Reverse bell yep. curve, I guess. Starts good, kind of meh in the middle, and then comes up at the end because of that trade. Didn't really happen that way. He was still fine. He had usable games, but he was nowhere near worth that RB8, uh, you know, threshold that you had to draft him for. Dustin, as the guy who was more on him this year, would you... Hold this against him? Would you hold the year against him? Do you think it was injuries? Are you back in on him for next year? Um, will I be in on him? Yes. Do I think he? I think he's going to be more of a high end RB two than a, a RB one. I think he's going to be right on that fringe this year, as opposed to kind of like a solidly drafted RB one. Um, so if he's still going in like that seven, eight, nine range might be a little too rich for me, especially with some of these rookies we've got coming in that are going to be immediate impacts this year. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing. Although, I mean, with Jamal Williams doing what he did and the number of touchdowns he had, I mean, obviously a career high. I think he set the Lions season record for uh, rushing touchdowns. So while he did that, I mean, that's really all he was used for was goal line, more or less. So... Do I expect him to score that many touchdowns next year? No. Will that necessarily go to Swift? No, it won't necessarily. I mean, there right. could be another guy. And I think Jamal Williams is a free agent after this year as well. So he might be out of the picture 100%. I mean, and if that's the case and they just bring in another guy to be the backup, that might not nearly be as talented as Jamal. I mean, we don't know. Um, so I think it kind of depends how this offseason goes. And I know that's kind of a KG answer and it's not what you want to hear, but uh but it really does depend what this backfield shakes out to be. Because like I said, if he returns, yeah, Swift is not going to be in my top 12, uh, just based on what happened this year. If Jamal leaves and they don't bring in someone that's super competent or 
I guess someone that would maybe fill that goal line role. Eh, maybe I'd bump him up a few spots into that top 12, but he's, he's going to be right on that cusp. Definitely not drafting him where I did this year though. Fair. And for what it's worth, I think Jamal Williams comes back. He's too much of a Dan Campbell guy to not. It just feels like he's the ultimate locker mm-hmm. room dude for them. And he and he's good. He's very, yeah, very he's ve- good. He's been underrated his entire career. Yes, yes, absolutely. So glad we're at least on Team Jamal in that respect. Uh, who do you want to be Team Victory Lap for right now, Dustin? Well, this is really my only one. I've got a couple others in my head here um, that I can kind of vaguely talk about but no my my one victory lap that i feel very good about was um trevor lawrence this year um he was going at like qb 16 overall uh way late in drafts um and he finished as the qb8 overall and i know that's overall is kind of a hedging a little bit uh he was qb 14 uh overall in points per game so he does drop him out of the top 12 but i think you know you combine those two together and and just based on what we saw on the field this year like he showed tremendous growth uh we've seen what he's done in the playoffs here he had the awful first half on on saturday and then came back in the second half had an unbelievable second half uh which is what you want to see and so i think the arrow's definitely pointing up for trevor i would with with how this QB landscape is looking, um, it's not as deep as we thought it was. I think he's going to be easily inside the top 12 in ADP next year. And I am fully on board with that. Uh, with just a, a second year in this Doug Peterson offense, they get Calvin Ridley back. Who knows what's going to happen in free agency? Hopefully shore up that offensive line a little bit so he can get more time even. I just, it's just sky's the limit for him. Uh, and while I don't think he, necessarily has that like qb1 overall ceiling to him i i mean he's going to be solidly a you know mid-range qb1 i think moving forward for the rest of his career yeah i hope that he somehow falls outside the top 12 for adp i doubt it like you said i really doubt it man if he does it's going to be the auto draft Mm -hmm. of, uh, of all time I actually think he does have QB1 upside, or very, oh. very close to it. Very close to it. Oh, look at someone replacing my my T-Law pedestal love. Hey, first of all, you should victory lap the entire Jaguars offense, not wow. even just Trevor Lawrence. This one was documented in a particular episode, but you were effusive about the entire offense. Well, maybe I was going to get there and you're just stealing my thunder here. Well, I'm happy to do it uh, because you know what? I was in on them too, damn it. So I'll take just a tiny bit of that thunder. No, that, I really do. No, I mean, that was a, it, was, it was a team. Uh, it was a team building exercise, I want to say is what it was. There you go. But, you know, we talked about, again, how great this team was. You mentioned how one half of that game with Trevor Lawrence this weekend was bad. The other half was great. That was almost kind of the start to the season, too. Not to say he was atrocious to start the season, but he definitely ramped up down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Next year, factor in Calvin Ridley, who did join the team, however, was suspended, obviously, for this year. That's a pretty huge weapons upgrade for him if everything else keeps clicking. I don't see, and he does, he can scoot. He's still, it's the Russell Wilson-esque type of running. It's not like Jalen Hurst. You know, I'm never going to be able to get him there, Mm -hmm. but he still gives you a nice Konami code-ish, you know, rushing upside, which you kind of need to have a shot at QB1. Yeah, you don't see a lot of scooters out there anymore, so I'm glad Mm -hmm. he's got it. That's right, that's right. He scoots with the best of them, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jake, who do you have next here? 
It's my pleasure, Dustin, to be able to talk about Mike Kosicki on this episode because uh, I like to give you shit. You haven't even been in on Gesicki for probably a couple of years at this point, but it's the residue from years ago that I just like to call <laughs> attention to for some reason. But Mike Kosicki, I called as my tight end bust for the year. He was going as tight end 12 in ADP, and I thought that that was exorbitant. And it turns out, dang it, I was right because he finishes the season as tight end 23 in points per game. His best outing was over the legitimate playoffs, which doesn't help you in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, actually, that's nope. not fair. He had like one game because he got a touchdown, maybe even two touchdowns. Ooh. So you had one game where you felt confident uh, that it didn't matter because you sat him at that point already anyway. So tight end, it's bad. I'm not good at projecting tight ends. That's why this victory lap is so important to me. Uh, it's probably <laughs> one of the only tight end takes I've gotten right in some time. So I, I'm off of him for next year as well. I don't know that that was ever really a question for me. Do you have any hope for him going forward? Uh, not if he remains on the Dolphins. Um, I do believe he's a free agent after this year. I don't think Miami picked up his fifth-year option. So depending on the landing spot, if he does go somewhere else, that maybe might be a little bit more tight end friendly in the offense. Yeah, but I mean, thinking he's going to be like that top five tight end like we all thought when he came into the league because he was this big hybrid, basically a wide receiver, uh, you know, splits out wide all the time. Yeah, we haven't seen that. Um, and I don't know that at this point in his career that it will happen. I'm not saying it couldn't. It definitely could. Chances are very, very slim. So depending on, like I said, if he goes to a different team, would I be on him if I was like, say, doing a platoon of tight ends late in the draft and just totally punted the position? Mm -hmm. I might take a flyer on him at that point. Again, depending on landing spot. But otherwise, especially if he stays in Miami, I'm totally off on him. Uh, that's they just don't funnel targets to the tight end in that offense. What if he goes to my preferred destination for fantasy, which is the Giants? What if he ends up on the Giants? Do you have any interest in him particularly in that scenario? Sure. Yeah. A little I bit mean, more it, than with the Dolphins, at least. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that'll happen because they have Bellinger, who had a very strong rookie season. So I don't necessarily see that happening, Jake. I'm sorry. But uh, but yeah, I think anywhere right now would be an upgrade over Miami because, like I said, they just don't target the tight end in that offense. Why would you when you have Tyreek and Waddle? Let's be honest. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's not like it's malpractice for them not to target mm -hmm. Mike Kosicki. It makes too much sense. Yep. All right, Jake, hit us with one more here, because let's be honest, I don't have anything on the show sheet, so. You, I'm going to have to come up with ones for you. I think you're being a little bit harsh on yourself for this one, just for the sake of balance and, you know, trying to, uh, trying to play it cool. Uh, but, I, but I know that there's some waiting in the wings here, but I will give you, this is my tepid one, all right? I'm going to give you my tepid one. This one doesn't feel like I should be saying it. In fact, I nearly put it in last week's episode until I looked up the final ranking for Aaron Jones, who I listed as my running back drinking buddy. I was super high on Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers came out in the offseason talking about how both him and A.J. Dillon could both get 50 receptions, which to me meant that Aaron Jones would get 75 <laughs> and A.J. Dillon would get 25. And with the lack of competition, which was very well established, uh, we we noticed, I think everybody noticed, there wasn't competition really for targets until Christian Watson came on later in the season. I expected more out of Aaron Jones from consistency, but he finished as the RB8 
overall, the RB11 in points per game. He was going in the later second round, I believe, coming into redraft. So Mm -hmm. he did what you needed him to do from an overall perspective. But look at his consistency week to week, and you were not super happy with him all the time. I mean, you can say that about most running backs, I guess, this year. Right. Like it kind of felt like a lot of running backs had those issues, I suppose. But his just seemed more pronounced. Maybe it's because we're homers and watching the games closer. I don't know. Whatever, man. Um, But there was whole stretches like week three through week six. He didn't crack the top uh, 18. You know, like that's a stretch of just like, why am I playing this guy? And then when he comes around and gets RB4 in week seven, he might have ended up, hopefully not on your bench, but you might have considered it at that point. Mm -hmm. So it was up and down. He didn't close out the season super strong either for your playoffs. But you know what? Overall RB8, I'm going to count it here, but I'm not going to feel the best about it. Yeah, and I will. Um, I agree 100 percent on everything you just said here about Aaron Jones. We watch those games every single week. Uh, I don't know what Lafleur was thinking there. I mean, there was games where I only got like five, six carries, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, and it's not like Dylan was getting a ton of carries either. You know, you could say, oh well, Dylan's stealing touches. No, it, it they were just not not game planning the running backs for some reason. Uh, it still floors me as why when you have two very talented running backs, you would do such a thing. But yeah, it, it was a real up and down season for Jones. Uh, like I said, we saw it week every week. Uh, hopefully, he's still with the Packers this next year. Um, I think there's an out on his contract this year that allows the team to move on from him without a big dead cap hit. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what Rodgers does. Um, but obviously, if he stays in this offense again, top 10, yeah, I can see that again for next year. And I'd be drafting him at that spot. Yeah, I mean, he's going into his age 29 season for for next year. Matt LaFleur did say he wants him back for what it's worth. He was asked about him specifically. He said he wants him back. Aaron Jones, I would imagine, wants to come back. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. him going out and getting a big bag after, you know, this year. It's not like he left the world on fire. I don't think people will overpay for him, other teams. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if he's back, I'm still in on probably a slightly deflated price. But my expectations are not going to be consistent running back one, but just a a great, you know, overall asset. Yeah, same. All right. Well, I will jump in here. Um, Something that's not on the show sheet, and I'm going to take a victory lap for it, um, only because it worked out really well for me this year. Uh, And this is more of a draft strategy Um, for our home league. I went, I went robust RB, as they say. Uh, I went very heavy RB to start the uh, robustiest. Yes, I went, I went McCaffrey and Barkley, uh, drafting out of the seven slot. Uh, this year or is it the eighth slot i think it was the seven i think so anyway and we do the third uh we we do a third round reversal in our draft um as well just for folks to know uh yeah i went robust rb taking a chance on guys that had been injured over the last couple seasons and it worked out really well they came back healthy uh they were on good offenses uh, especially with mccaffrey getting moved uh part way through the season that worked out extremely well for me uh, and, and it helped drive me to the championship game so i'm going to take my uh, little victory lap there saying yes i believe in the running backs and i believe that they would be returning to health uh and that they weren't washed up um because especially with like barkley last year it was a fluke thing coming back from his acl 
and like rolled his ankle on uh, a lineman. Just total fluky injury that kind of stuck with him the rest of the year. So I was confident that he was going to come back this year looking much better. Uh, McCaffrey, yeah, he just never looked right. You know, last year coming back from those injuries, change of scenery, did him some wonders. So I'll pat myself on the back of that. And you got so much shit in the draft. You got, because we did the live draft uh, at a brewery at Delta Beer Lab. Check it out mm-hmm. in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, you got so much shit from everybody there of just the piling on because injured running back after injured running back to start your mm-hmm. draft and you just kept at it. And yeah, God damn it, it worked. I would like to say here and now that I was one of the few who did not give you shit for it in the moment. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility. I want I don't want that heat. But it really did work out. Do you do you see anybody from this year for running backs that you think you could repeat that method with already next year? Or is there nobody quite to their level that you feel like, ah, they're gonna be undersold that much? I don't think for next year. But a couple of guys in the following year I'd be looking at, especially because coming we're I think we got babied over the last handful of years about guys coming back from ACLs and looking terrific right, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really for the part it takes a year to get right, especially for a running back um, that needs to do a lot of cutting, uh, a lot of start and stops. I mean, you really have to trust your knee a lot. Uh, so for this next year, not so much, at least off the top of my head, but for the following year. It's going to be like wheels up for Brees Hall and Javante Williams. Uh, both of them coming back a year removed from their ACLs. Oh, baby. That's going to be my draft strategy that in two <laughs> years from now, you heard it here. You're winning that ship two years from now. I do wonder if J.K. Dobbins maybe fits in to this model. No, for that's next a good year. one. That's Not a to good the one. same extent, but like, you know, he could still be undervalued. A bit. Mm-hmm. And we saw him start to come on a little bit. Maybe that depends, too, on the quarterback situation. True. Very true. I don't know. If but yeah, I, I think that is a good one, Jake. Um, good, good memory there because, yeah, he was injured last year, obviously. Came back slow. Had that cleanup surgery. But then the last couple weeks of the season, once he came back and, and played, like he looked like an old self. Like he looked terrific. So yeah, I think that's a good one. That that would be one. It's a guy you're not going to have to draft probably the first two rounds. You'll probably be able to get him in the third uh, just with the amount of running backs. I don't think people are going to view him as an RB1 going into the next season. So he's probably someone you're going to be able to get at a little bit of a value. Uh, and I just gave you your whole draft strategy for next year, Dustin. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Yep. When you draft him in round four or whatever the hell it is, uh, ride him to a championship. You just remember this episode. Remember this. Uh, I, I want will. to talk. And I will, I, will, I will buy you a single beer if, I, if and when I win the championship. I will buy you a single beer as thanks. A single beer of your choosing cannot be more than $3. <laughs> Read the fine print always, people. <laughs> Read the fine print. Uh, Dustin, I want to close out with a twofer. And I need to make it a twofer because individually it doesn't feel like the greatest victory laps. I mean, they, they qualify. But I'm talking about Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz. I actually think Zach Ertz fits into this category much better than Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, look, he was injured. He didn't finish the season. He was quarterback seven in points per game. That's not great. And in fact, and I had him right like higher it. than that. Yeah, right? Didn't it feel yeah. like he was somewhere around it, quarterback 12 to 14 in actuality? It did. As someone that had, I mean, I, I had him on, on uh, uh, my roster this year for redraft. And and I thought I was getting a steal. I'm like, oh, I'm going to draft a quarterback somewhat early. He's got the running ability. You know, he, he, he's he got the scoot to him. And right. I just, 
and it just felt like every week that it was just a letdown every like i mean and i had jared goff as my number two and there was a lot of weeks where i was like do i play the matchup here and sit kyler even though i drafted him eight rounds earlier like i mean that was a serious conundrum in my head like every single week once i saw how good this lion's offense was doing and yeah just didn't feel great starting kyler because you didn't know what you were going to get on a week-to-week basis but i will give him this for a guy who did not have his entire cast around him at any point during the season Mm -hmm. DeAndre hopkins suspended for the first six games which i knew and i still put him in this spot saying that's six games he can make it work with hollywood brown which he did hollywood brown looked fantastic those mm-hmm. first six games. Hollywood Brown then gets injured immediately before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Zach not Ertz a coincidence. gets injured. You're right. <laughs> Zach Ertz gets injured, injured not too short after that. You know, it's excuses. I get it. Nobody wants to hear excuses, especially for a mobile quarterback who should be able to make up for some of that fantasy value. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was still quarterback seven and actually was somewhat consistent, maybe not consistently elite, but was actually consistent in some respects. I mean, I know you said like, yeah, there is some Goff versus Murray games where or weeks where Goff was the better play. But I think that speaks to how good Goff was this year mm-hmm. as well. But I'm really yeah. actually more excited about Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz was the tight end five leading up to his injury before he got injured in week 10. Tight end five is what you needed. If you didn't take Travis Kelsey, you know, which you should have, as of course me and Dustin <laughs> both begged you to, we were on him from the jump, weren't we? Don't listen to last week. Uh, if you didn't draft <laughs> Travis Kelsey, you needed somebody like Zach Ertz. So as the tight end five, and he was consistent. You know, again, consistently mm-hmm. elite, no, but you didn't tank your week ever, and that but if says you could, a lot. If you could tell me, okay, you're going to draft Zach Ertz in whatever, he probably went in what, like the eighth round, seventh, I think I got round. him in the ninth, tenth, and yeah. League, yeah. If you're going to tell me you're going to get tight end five production all season long, and you can draft him that late, fucking sign me up all day long. I mean, tight end five is set it and forget it. Like, you don't have to worry about playing matches. And like I said, you get them that late in your draft, like you're just stacking other positions, you know, stacking up those running backs and, and wide receivers. And then you can get a latish round tight end that you don't have to worry about. I mean, that's that's the dream. It is. Of course, the dream eventually had to come back to reality because he got injured. He's old. It happens. And now the Zach Ertz experience for me is probably over. Like next year, I'm not going to look at him as a value. I'm, I'd be too nervous. You know, maybe if he falls super far down and we're talking the late, late rounds, maybe I'll see, uh, but I don't know. But even then, just on the timing of his injury, I don't know that he'll necessarily come back to start the year. So he's probably someone you put on your watch list at the start of the year. And as he's starting to come back and you're starting to see these videos of him, you know, running routes and getting back at practice. And maybe they open up that 21 day window, you know, coming off of IR, that would be the time to pick him up on your roster and and get him on there before the rest of your league mates do before he has that week, you know, whatever week he comes back and he catches six balls for 80 yards and two touchdowns because they're very excited to have him back. You know, that would be the time to do it, but don't waste a roster spot. I think early in the season rostering him because you won't have to. Yeah, that's a great point. Great, great point there. You see, always Thanks. come to Dustin for the tight end takes. Always, always, unless it's about Travis Kelsey. Always. Otherwise, always. All right, do you have any more that you want to throw in here? No, no, that was great, Jake. Let, let's let's end it right there. <laughs> mm. We did it. We did it. All right, do you want to move into the, the finale of the episode? Well, which finale? 
Uh, do you want to do another DFS? I'm into it if you are. Can you hear me? I think my I think my internet crapped out. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I tried opening a tab, and my computer's a little laggy too. So um, I think the combination of that there um, gave us that. That's but yeah, fair. we can do one. It just won't be up on the screen this week, if that works. Yeah, that's fine. We don't need it on okay. screens. In fact, if we're going to do it that way, might I suggest doing an underdog, Dustin? It's been a bit since we've done one on underdog. Not to shame Monkey Knife Fight. I just feel left out. No. You know? uh, I'm just saying. Unless you want to bring can, it up. You bet. That's what I'm doing right now, my man. That's what I'm doing right now. This is just a chance for me to gloat just a tiny bit that uh, I happened to win underdog last night on one of the grossest uh, living wagers that's ever been placed on anything. Uh, it was the over yards for Jake Ferguson, T.Y. Hilton, and Julio Jones, and all of them hit. Yeah. But what a gross bet. What that an is absolutely gross, gross bet. <laughs> but you know what? It made me happy. So, Dustin, as I pull this up, we have, of course, four games that we get to look through. If you want to pull this up on yours so you can take a peek. Otherwise, I'm going to explore some options that I'm interested in. We're talking about Jacksonville. This is the victory lap episode. It feels like we need to attack Jacksonville, who's going against the Chiefs, in what should be, hopefully, just a mind-blowingly high-score game. So we have Trevor Lawrence right now, sitting at 245 and a half pass yards. That, to me, seems like one that we have to make a firm line in the sand about. Do we think he can hit 245 against Kansas City? Again, what I'm hoping is a massive shootout. Do you think? I do, personally. Yeah, I do too. Even just for the the good vibes of it. And mm -hmm. it hopefully doesn't take, like, you know, that crazy second half that he needed to have right. last week for it to happen. But he still got it done. And that's what's important. I am going to sit with the, the higher on that as well. Uh, just as a refresher, listeners, we like to do five of these stacked on top of each other. So that's one down. Do you have an interest in one of his receivers? I do. I see that uh, Zay Jones yeah. has a very similar line as last week at 51 yeah. and a half yards. Do you see I that? think that's a smash over. I, think it's a smash I, over. I, I do. Hey, it's it's high scoring. The the philosophy, somebody's got to catch all of those passes, get all of those yards. Might as well be Zay Jones. So I'm into that. Um, anybody else on the Jaguars that you are you interested in trying something for Travis Etienne? Is that too much for the Jacksonville squad? Um I, I kind of like the line of his receiving yards. It's set at 13 and a half. Isn't that crazy I, I, low? I feel like it is, but there's a reason why they set it at 13 and a half, because he probably hasn't hit that mark in the last couple of weeks. Well, he, as a reference point, he hit 12 receiving yards last week. He only saw I, one target, though. The last game that he saw one target or less, fewer, whatever, don't grammar police me, was week 14. Uh, every other game, he's had at least a couple of targets. Do we think, again, in a shootout, that he could get some dump-off experience here? I kind of want to hit that one, too, for the over. Well, you go ahead. I'm not going to on this one, as I'm following I'm along it. on my phone. Uh, I just, I'm freaking doing it. I, I saw that right away, and I was like, oh, my God, that's juicy. And I'm just like, I don't trust it. I just don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it, man. We're going whole right. hog into the Jaguars. Let's ship off with them for a bit. Anything on the other side? Do we want to do anything with the Chiefs? Do we really want to hammer this game? We've got Travis Kelsey, 82 and a half receiving yards. I mean, obviously he could do that any week, but mm -hmm. I feel like we don't deserve it if it happened. Or maybe because we were so <laughs> off on Travis Kelsey that we should do it. I don't know. 
I don't maybe. know. Uh, maybe that's the the vibe. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes 307 and a half passing yards. That also seems very easy. And if we spec Jacksonville mm-hmm. to keep up, that too seems like a smash. Uh, I do like that one. I think that one's almost a given. I mean, it, I mean, 307 is a lot, but it is. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. They're at home. I just, I like that line. I think, I think he's going to hit that. Let's do it. Let's just do it. This is the all vibes version of, uh, of underdog of betting here. So we have one more spot vacant. Let's move off this, this game. Try to find something else here. Maybe in the Giants Philly game. Maybe. Sure. What do we, we like? 70 and a half rushing yards for Saquon. That's interesting. Um, we could do some, we could actually do one lower for once. We've really I, been enthusiastic to this point. I really like the Isaiah Hodgins line 40, 44 and a, and a half. He's like been their only receiving, like consistent receiving option. I feel like 44 and a half. Granted, the Eagles defense is really good, but. Mm-hmm. 44 and a half. I feel like that one's almost a gimme at that point. He had 105 yards, but that was against Minnesota last week. 42 yards against Indy the week before. 89 yards the week before. But again, that was against Minnesota. So I wonder if he skewed a little bit in favor of that (laughs) terrible defense. Because otherwise, he has not hit this line all year. The only time he's hit it was against Minnesota both weeks. Does that do anything to move you off it? Not really, but the other one looking through the the Eagles on that game uh, is Devonta Smith. I mean, sixty three and a half yards. He's been balling out lately, and I am I'm a big stand of his. So I would go take the higher on that one as well. But I will leave it in your hands here, Jake. I like the Devonta Smith one more. Uh, he has hit that in every game going back to week 13, every game since he has had that. It takes literally one, maybe two plays for mm-hmm. him to potentially get that. As opposed to Hodgins, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a slog. I don't like sweating it out in those situations, what? hoping desperately for the fourth quarter, you know, just catch four more passes for eight yards and then I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't like that. I would rather do the Devonta Smith one. So let's lock him in. All right, Dustin, this is what we have for our lineup. We have Trevor Lawrence over 245 and a half passing yards. Travis Etienne over 13 and a half receiving. Zay Jones over 51 and a half receiving. Pat Mahomes over 307 and a half passing yards. Devonta Smith over 63 and a half. We're very optimistic this week, but let's freaking do it. Man, I'm wagering now. We lock. We roll. Done. All right. Very exciting. Hopefully we can report back a nice little victory next week. I hope so, too. All right, Jake. So we have one more piece of business here before we sign off for the evening. And that is our weekly beer bet. And it is my turn here to to do a bet. So there's some really interesting matchups here uh, as far as making bets goes. Uh, The first one, I I don't know. I don't know which which one I want to do because they're all. Also juicy. Um, I'm curious if you're going to revisit something we just talked about or if it's going to be a fresh thing. I don't know. I'm curious. So so here's here's what I'm going to propose. Okay. It's, it's going to be going back to the Jags and the Chiefs. <laughs> of course it is. Okay. What do we got? I, come on. I'm just leaning into it at this point. Let's say wide receiver core versus wide receiver core. Are we talking like the Not full including... up and down depth chart? Like, yeah. are we talking like the, okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. Not tight ends, wide right. receivers. 
just the full wide receiving yep. gamut. Wide receiver room. If they throw to six, how many points did they, those six get? If they threw to three, how many threes? The total wide receiver room fantasy points. <sighs> that's tough because I did not take the over for Travis Kelsey. In this case, that's what I would be hoping for if I was going to take the Jaguars, which I very much want to for the sake of this. And yes, Hollywood Titans. Hollywood it is juicy. juicy. J-U-I-C-Y, it sure is. I think I'm going to give Travis Kelsey some respect today. I didn't do it in underdog, and you know what, I regret it. So I'm going to do it now. And I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiving group to give you that much more pain. Because you can root for them, and you should, but you'll be rooting for me at the same time. Take, takes, Jacksonville. I'm I'm uh, not gonna lie. I'm disappointed you took Jacksonville. Early I've I'm never so thrown that team Jacksonville. Out there, man. They are. I, I I put this out on Twitter last week before the games even started. That Jacksonville, since I have no horse in in the playoffs this year, that Jacksonville is the team I'm hooking my my wagon up to. Uh, so I am all about Jacksonville. They they are like my number two team in the league right now. Uh, just cause I love the direction they're going in. I I love that they're uh, uh, so young and and spunky. And Hollywood, yes, I know you would never root for Jacksonville, (laughs) um, but you know what? We're not asking you to, so. um, That's correct. We never root for Minnesota, so it's fine. We get it. That's right. Oh, my God. So, Ben, my wife, was asking me this weekend with the Vikings game. She's like, aren't you rooting for them? I'm like, hell no. I'm like, it's the Vikings. (laughs) I can't root for them. I can't root for them. No, it's not the thing of like, well, I just hope my division does good. No, that's not how this works. Like if it was the Lions, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm rooting for the Lions because sure. they've been bad for so long. And it's like, it's nice to see them doing well. And but Dan Minnesota, and Jamal Williams. Yeah. yeah, but Minnesota? Oh, fuck no, never. I could, <laughs> I could never root for them. Even if they were in the Super Bowl, I'd be rooting against them. It's just, it, it's so Hollywood. I, I get, get it. it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. I mean, well, I Jake, before we successful. get out of any any last words before we get out of here, because I know you got a work thing you got to do here in a few minutes. Stupid work. Stuff. I know you. I just ask you, implore you all to watch these games this weekend. Some people are like, my team's out of it. I don't care. I'm not going to watch anymore. Wah. Watch them anyways. This could be an amazing week of football. Once again, you don't want to miss out on the kind of stuff that we had last weekend. Like that was so mm-hmm. much fun. I know the Packers weren't involved at all, and I might have had more fun this weekend watching football than if they were involved, quite frankly. So it was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know I said at the top of the show, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You see us live here every single week. Uh, Give us a rate and review wherever you get your podcast from. We appreciate it. It helps others find us better. Quicker, faster, stronger. What? We're the million dollar man? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going here. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week, folks. Uh, Good luck on any DFS betting you're doing this weekend, any parlays on on this weekend games. I hope nothing but riches for you. Stick it to the man. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. 